Okay. I don't hear anything now. What's up? Were you there? I should be able to hear something. I don't hear anything. Hey, Mr. Riddle, how are you? Okay, you can hear me pretty good, right? Yes, I can hear you. Can you is can you bring him up a little bit? Yeah, I got I got him. You got him muted? Yeah. Okay. As soon as it starts, she'll unmute you, but I can hear you. Oh, okay. Who are you you the producer board op or whatever? Um, that's Monique. Monique is our engineer. Okay, cool. I may appear to be a little dark because I'm watching football. That's my priority today. That's okay. Welcome to Detroit Table Talk. Welcome, welcome. It's Saturday, and listen, we are here. Um, I just got through from watching a good game, a good football game <laughs> against U of M versus Ohio. <laughs> you know, Michigan won. That's all I got to say is Michigan That's won. all you can say. <laughs> <laughs> Wearing that red. Oh, Lord. <laughs> Wearing that Ohio State stuff. <laughs> I started to change colors, but my I man wearing red too. What's oh, up? You know that was our color for the day. It's my brand. It's up. okay. It's okay. Look, you win a few, you lose a few, like the last two. Oh Lord, oh Lord! But listen, guys, today we have a special guest. Very special. Very special guest. We have Mr. Sam Riddle with us. One and only. One and only. And listen, I must Thank say, you. Thank you. I must say, I am extremely honored. You know, um, Mr. Riddle don't do this often, if at all. Yeah. So, you know what I'm saying, for him to come on for me today, it's just, it's an honor. It's a privilege. You right, know, right. There are very few individuals that I look up to in Detroit. And that's because for me, you know, I, I, I just told my co-host you know this phrase you know you can't piss on me and tell me it's raining <laughs> you know so uh -oh, when i know don't get freaky uh-oh <laughs> <laughs> go, keep going keep going keep going so when i notice an individual who walk what they talk you know i i watch and i learn you know and for me sam you know you are one of those voices who i honor in our you know city and in that being said no, actually it's an honor to be here because what you guys are doing is extremely important because it's a microcosm of what we need to be doing across the nation in terms of establishing a level of communications that we control and we define what we're about instead of having 
uh, uh, others define. You guys are the ones on the front line. You're, I backcountry ski in Colorado, Wyoming, and other places in the mountains, mm-hmm. and you're breaking trail. That's what we call it when you're in fresh snow and you're in the mountains and you're pretty high up sometimes in those mountains. But you're breaking uh, trail. You got to watch out for the avalanches. But you, mm-hmm. And it's so important what you're doing. And thank you for allowing me to share the uh, microphone and cameras with you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So listen, guys, I want to read, if I may, before we just jump in, I want to read Mr. Riddle's bio um, as much as I can, because, you know, he's done so much. You know, he's done so much. Um, We got a thesis, you know, on his life. And, you know, and that's a good thing. You know what I'm saying? That you go through this life and. You know, you can check all kind of boxes. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of us haven't checked those boxes yet. Right. You know, but Mr. Riddle is an honorary discharge Vietnam era veteran that acquired a GD after dropping out of high school to enlist. Mr. Riddle earned a bachelor's arts degree from Michigan State University, James Madison College, with a major in ethic and religious intergroup relations. Mr. Riddle received his Jewish doctrine degree from the University of Michigan Law. No wonder he like, you know, go blue. Um, <laughs> in, addition, <laughs> in addition, Mr. Riddle was, has over 40 years of experience in management, political and media consulting with an emphasis on crisis management. Mr. Riddle has also currently Mr. Riddle also currently serves as political director for the Michigan chapter of the National Action Network. Mr. Riddle was also a columnist for the Michigan Citizen, Detroit Raw, the host of Riddle at Random on 9:10 a.m. Superstation, and was a founder of the Flint Voice newspaper with filmmaker Michael Moore. I actually love that young man. He speaks nothing. He's not that young. None, none of us are that young anymore. I- it, you can be 100 years old, and I'm always going to say young. I'm approaching it. <laughs> That's a blessing. Mr. Yeah. Riddles also serves as a political commentary addressing poverty and Flint water crisis issues for WVON. Is it Percy or Mr. It's Riddle? Perry Small in Chicago. Small talk, talk of Chicago. Chicago. Yep, Perry Small, Talk of Chicago show and other main, mainstream TV and radio stations. Mr. Sam's works have been featured in the New Yorker, the New York Times, Good Morning America, the Detroit Show, CBS Morning News, the Washington Post, the Detroit News, the Detroit Free Press, Queen Latifah, the Bob Leonard Show, BET, Jet. I mean, the list goes on and on and on. You don't have to go through all that. I'm just glad to be here. And you know what isn't on them? What isn't on there? It's the free room and board I got from the uh, federal government having got caught up in the Detroit corruption piece where I once had as clients uh, the former mayor, Kwame Kilpatrick, a former city councilwoman and others. And that for me is part of the testimony, Carmen. And what's the co-host name? Your co-host name? Our co-host name is? Dro. Dro. Yeah, Dro. See, sometimes we can have a lot of good credentials, uh, a flowery background, and our judgment can sometimes uh, 
go astray. That certainly happened with me. And there's a testimony there for young up and coming political types not to get caught up in any of the shenanigans because the FBI has made Detroit one of the most surveilled communities in America. But it isn't just because of the FBI, Carmen. It's because we've got to choose right over wrong. We've got to raise our children to choose right over wrong. And it's too easy to get caught up sometimes in the everyone's doing it syndrome without even considering if what you're doing might be wrong. You pay the piper, it is. But anyway, go on. But we pay the piper more than anybody else. Yeah. If you know. If well, you know, yeah, but we do some stupid stuff. We do. Too. But anyway, go on, go on, go on. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate you saying that. You know, because I I wasn't gonna bring it up. You yeah. know, but I, I guess it is. It's part. Well, of no, I bring it up because it, you know, it was a national news story. I mean, I don't have any uh, skeletons because everything I've done in Detroit and in this country has been very, very visible. Yes. Yes. Post. I can't hear. He, you can't hear him, Mama? Mr. Riddle. Yes. Like you can't hear. I can hear him. Can you? Oh, you can hear. Him? Yeah. I can hear you too. Okay. Maybe I'm one sorry. of the. Uh, I'm me? sorry. You would. Yeah, I can hear you. Oh, okay. Yeah, I hear both of you guys okay, very clear. clear. I can oh, hear you clear. Okay. I'm sorry. Go ahead, sir. No, I was just saying, I thought you had a question. I'm Listen, is it okay if we kind of go back over this last election that we just had? And Do anything you it? want to. I'm fair game. Okay. I mean, I've, I've, jump into this last I've gotten into it we... when he was alive with Rush Limbaugh. I've done every show you can do on the right and the left end. Uh, you mentioned Michael Moore. Uh, his podcast reaches just a ton of people. And uh, everything's fair game. Fire away. This past election. You mean November? Yeah. Well, fire away. What's on your mind? Okay, so when it comes to um, the Detroiters, first I want to talk about how do we get individuals to get out to vote when it comes to the primaries? Everybody's excited about, you know, our presidential (laughs) elections, but these primaries and the the low percentage or the low turnout that we get in, in our inner city is just unacceptable. Well, it is. And, you know, I think back to so many years ago, I can remember the first Jesse Jackson campaign, 1983 and 1984, which is, you know, um, over 38, nearly 40 years ago. And we had great turnouts in those presidential primaries, but it was because of the excitement and, and the fact that we had candidates that people believed in at that time and took the time to go vote for it. We saw that with the presidency of uh, Barack Obama, the type of turnout we had, because people wanted to see Barack Obama uh, elected. But this past August, we witnessed something that we hadn't seen for decades, over 50 years, I believe, with the uh, election that would eventually choose uh, who would feel a seat once held by Congressman John Conyers. We will not have black representation in America's blackest and poorest city for nearly uh, uh, 40, 50 years. We won't have any black representation because the turnout in Detroit was only a little over 15, 16%. That meant that 85% of Detroit did not vote this past August. I know. Because I did it the old-fashioned way. My name was on the ballot. 
for that congressional seat. And we got the thousands of signatures needed to be on the ballot. Everyone didn't do that. Uh, Former police chief uh, James Hollywood Craig, and I gave him that name in a series of articles I wrote, and he (laughs) won He he didn't confront me in a negative way. He confronted me in a very... Why did you give him that name? (laughs) Well, because of his manner, and it was out of respect that he handled the media. Very few people in law enforcement in America handle the uh, media the way that uh, Hollywood Craig, James Craig did. And uh, we discussed that uh, outside of Simbass one time. I was going in with now Detroit City Councilwoman at large, Mary Waters, and he said, hey, you. I turned around. I couldn't see. It was a very darkly tinted windows on a Dodge Charger. He said, you the guy that calls me Hollywood? I looked. <laughs> and I turned around because of the name. He said, come here. So I walked over to the car, and uh, it, it was Police Chief James Craig, and we talked, and he laughed. He, he didn't mind it because I did, did it out of respect for how well uh, James Craig, then Detroit police chief, handled the local, state, and national media to advance his issues. Uh, he, he, he can do that. And uh, so I called him Hollywood Craig. Did you know at that time he was a Republican? It didn't matter. Okay. He was police chief. Okay. For the city of Detroit. Uh, the fact that he's a Trumpite and all that uh, doesn't bother me that much because you know, Detroit's not going to uh, turn out in mass for any Republican. That's true. We stay on the Democratic Party plantation. And uh, that is not always in our best interest either. And I've been a delegate to the Democratic Party uh, National Convention in New York City, Madison Square Garden, 1992. My client then was former California Governor Jerry Brown. I was the first black person ever elected to represent Beverly Hills and uh, and, and Hollywood, uh, zip code 90210. I got elected there and uh, represented them on the, in the, at the National Convention in, in 1992 in New York. And, and when I first met Reverend Al Sharpton, we nearly got into it in front of the Apollo. That's, I got so many war yeah. stories. But <laughs> the turnouts, if we want people to turn out, mm-hmm. elected officials have got to start delivering. The, the yes. people are tired of the lies, tired of the deception. You know, everyone's going to save the world. And yet you, when you when you measure outcomes, most of these folks get in the office and they don't help one single black mother trying to make ends meet for her and her children. Uh, we don't see uh, better housing for the multitudes here in Detroit. We uh you know, it's difficult enough keeping the lights on. Again, Detroit is America's arguably blackest and poorest city, given the level of poverty. I'm also a senior fellow with the Pulse Institute, uh, founded by the journalist Vankale Thompson. Uh, it's America's premier think tank that addresses poverty in the nation. And why wouldn't it be based in America's blackest and poorest city, Detroit? But if you want people to vote, you got to deliver for people. These Jack Lake handkerchief head politicians <laughs> rarely uh, deliver for majority black Detroit. As I was going and I was, you know, doing some some reading about Detroit, when we went back to all the way back to 1930 to the present time, mm-hmm. there has been corruption in every. Um, oh, yeah. White folks wrote the book on corruption. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, and I'm and I'm thinking because Detroit is um, poverty stricken, why would we continue to elect people that take from us versus giving to us? Well, here's the thing: the elected officials are just the figureheads. It's the corporate people who get get the welfare, the corporate welfare here that 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 pimp the. Uh, uh, working poor and, and those mired in poverty. Uh, if you look, for example, at the Eliches, the Dan Gilberts, now they, yes, they, they yes. make money, but they get a lot of, uh, a corporate welfare in terms of how they're able to build tall skyscrapers, Correct. build monuments to a hockey puck, like Little Caesars, uh, uh, uh arena. I mean, I, and I met and sat down and talked with, uh, Many of the richest people that deal here in the city of uh, Detroit and around the nation, and uh, they 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 give back, but we have to have people elected but that, that pe- actually have a heart for the people that elect them. A lot of the people, when you get elected with only fifteen percent of the vote. Uh, you tend to ignore the 85% that didn't vote. But when you get elected, for example, to the Detroit City Council, you get elected to represent all of the people of That's Detroit, great. if you're a council at large, not just those that voted. And that old axiom, if you don't vote, don't say anything, I believe is patently false. People don't vote because they will look you in the eye and tell you, I have no one to vote for that I trust. When you tell them about all the people that die for the right to vote, they'll look you in the eye and say, we're dying every day on these streets in Detroit. What the hell are you talking about? That is true. That's so true. That's so true. When you talk about corporate greed, um, I'm reminded that before our, well, before the current uh, mayor, Duggan, was elected, he was caught up in all kind of um, mess when it came to, was it receiving hospital? And they chose to. Well, you're talking about the DMC and the DMC. fact that he was over the hospital system. The DMC and a lot of the, yep, yep, sir, yep. Well, I don't know how many, whether or not he was actually accused of, of any uh, criminal wrongdoing. Yeah. But what you are always allegations. And then when you chase it down, a lot of times there's no there there. I mean, and I think people is more of a critic of Detroit mayors than I have, including Mike Duggan, including Kwame Kilpatrick, who was once a client of mine. Uh, but it goes a lot deeper than the, than, than the people that we elect. We have a, an economic system that has no heart or soul other than the profit motive, and, and yeah. profits are placed over people. And, and and that's a big uh, big issue. Getting individuals in office that will place people over profit is something we need to focus in on. But right now, even in the general election we just had in November, I think only 30% of the people voted, a little over 30. That meant that 70% of the people did not vote. In the primary in August, 85% of the people did not vote. And the real challenge is how do we motivate them to vote? By delivering for people. By, by listening to people, yeah. uh, you, you call a meeting in Detroit on any issue, and the same people show up no matter who's uh, who's giving the uh, uh, meeting. The same people show up. And you look at a governor like Whitmer, when you examine the data, M.L. Elric, a Pulitzer Prize winning journalist, 
again, working for the Detroit Free Press, just did an article with data backup that showed that the governor didn't even need the black vote to win. At all. But they need the black vote uh, uh, to be predictable anyway. And the black vote in Michigan is predictably whoever turns out, the majority, uh, overwhelming majority will vote Democratic because we will not move off the Democratic Party plantation. In nineteen Do you see that a lot of African-American are moving from the Democratic Party back to what we originally started, which was the Republican Party? No, no, I don't see that happening. We have people that work with it. Well, you just saw John James. Yeah. Black man, his, his father and they belong, you know, his father belongs to Harford Memorial Church here in Detroit. Oh, they, really? they have company operations here. They hire black folks. But he's a staunch right-wing Republican. Ran for the U.S. Senate twice, lost twice. So now he's going to be a member of Congress. Congress. Mm-hmm. He won. You know, in 1972, we had the first national black political convention in Gary, Indiana. I was one of five people in the Michigan delegation that refused to walk out when Coleman Young led the entire Michigan delegation out of that convention. And he and I were yelling at each other, cussing at each other. When he said, they're talking about leaving the Democratic Party. I yelled back. I won't use the words here on this broadcast. But I said, damn it, Coleman, the Democratic Party left us. That was in 1972. (laughs) 50 years later. That's when I was born. We're still discussing the same issues. And his son sits on the Detroit City Council. <laughs> uh, I, I, all I'm saying is it gets very frustrating. And we we have to operate almost from a ba- basis of faith and a spiritual foundation because anything else doesn't work because dealing with your cousins and our people can be one of the most frustrating things that we can do in our lifetime, but we have yes, to do yes. it out of love for the people. Exactly. I'm going to say a couple of names, and when I say a couple of names, tell me what you, what the first thing that comes to your mind. Um, Andre Spivey. Busted. Got free room and board in federal prison right now. Uh, the, you know, Andre Spivey was a decent enough fella on the surface, Yeah. but j- just before he went to federal prison, reported to federal prison. It was revealed that Andre Spivey had glasses with recording devices, cameras in them, sport coats wired to record. Wow. And, of course, he got caught up in the never-ending <laughs> corruption that seems to ensnare too many elected officials. Now, a white guy, Gabe Leland, oh, his was, colleague on the, the Detroit that City the, Council, that was is not in federal prison. He's not in federal prison. And that shows you the dual system of justice. We still have one system of justice for black folks, yep. another one for white folks. I'm and, still trying uh, to figure out, hey, he got two and a half that, years but, of probation. Well, yeah, but that also means he cooperated, and we still don't know the okay. extent to which he cooperated or whom else he may have given up. We saw the police... Uh, I mean, the feds, the FBI, raid the home and offices of former uh, uh, Detroit City Council woman. Uh, what, what's her name? Uh, I can't think of her name right now. But she, they raided her office. They raided the offices of Steel City Councilman uh, Scott Benson. Janae Ayers is her name. Yeah. And, you know, we have the courts, the federal court system, 
in the most surveilled city in America, Detroit, is littered with the political careers of corrupt black politicians and an ever-increasing number of white political figures, too. And what do you think go about on, I'm listening. the name I throw out, Monica Conyers? Monica Conyers, a friend of mine still. Hell, I was just <laughs> with Monica at Baker's two nights ago. Uh, I've known her. I did her campaign. We won. She became the second highest vote getter next to Ken Cockrell and became president pro tem. Again, Monica can still give a lot back to Detroit. Yes. Uh, her testimony is one that I believe a lot of folks should listen to. And it again, it, 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 you know, we have to simply choose right over wrong when we get into these offices. Mm-hmm. I believe that there's a lot of uh, uh, purpose to serve still left in Monica Gagnes. Uh Her son, John, got a lot of votes when he ran for his father's congressional seat mm-hmm. this past uh, August. But very few people had the 16 to $17 million spent on the on the winning and losing campaigns of Sheree Tanader, who won in India, mm-hmm. from India, an immigrant, but now full-fledged America, or uh, that state senator, uh, Adam Holier, who was largely funded by the Israeli lobby. Uh, and y'all can get with me on being anti-Semitic. I'm not anti-Semitic. <laughs> you know, my name, my name ain't Kanye. Don't bring that mess here. <laughs> but uh, the, the point I make is that it takes big money to win these elections. You say Andre Spivey, you know, the ultimate hypocrite. See, we supposed to be a man of God, a spiritual guy. And don't get me wrong, redemption is for everyone. You screw it up, Andre. It doesn't mean that when you get out, you can't make a meaningful contribution. You screwed up, Kwame. doesn't mean you can't make a meaningful contribution. You screwed up, Sam Riddle, Monica Kanyas, uh, The list is so damn long long. of people that have been caught up. and But that does not mean that their lives have ended. I mean, when you look at the uh, disciples and the women in the lives of Jesus Christ, Mm -hmm. a lot of them had fallen from grace. But, you know, the thing of it is, is that uh, uh, the Lord and, you know, he takes the least of us and, redeems us as the whole point of shedding the, the blood on that tree, that cross. Uh, uh, it was for us so we could be redeemed and get on the right trail, be born again. Uh, I'm not a preacher, but I can tell you one thing. Life isn't over because you've done something stupid or wrong or even been to prison. Malcolm I, X went to prison. I was a thinking king, about... He, he was, Go. Sorry, don't let the don't let the guests nominate. Go. I know. But you you know what? Because you you know, you my my senior, you know, I'm gonna always be quiet and let you do, you know, do well, you I, might, I, I might be your senior forever, but don't let anybody get away with dominating <laughs> like that. Okay, well then let's talk, talk about, to me, Tommy. Talk about Charles Pugh, because I really thought that he was a rising star. I mean, he could have been anything. Well, that he was, but now Pew was a lot different because Pew's crime was against children. Anyone yeah. Yeah. that harms a child a pedophile, they need to feel the full brunt of the law, but he's out. Can he be redeemed? Yeah, probably, but the community doesn't view Pew the same way that they will view a Kwame Kilpatrick for sure, or uh, a Christine Beatty, or a Monica Conyers, or even Andre Spivey when he gets out. You see, the, the flaws that we have, 
uh, they, they are measured. If you, if you go to prison for killing someone, for example, the way you're treated is different in prison than if you go to prison for being a pedophile. Uh, you, you're not going to get any breaks. They'll have to protect you because those in prison are not going to treat you very well. Uh, the, the, the point I'm making is that Charles Pugh, he's out now. Uh, can he still make meaningful contributions? Theoretically, yes, but do you, do the level of mistrust for him is a hot, lot higher than the level of mistrust for Kwame Kilpatrick because of the nature of his offense, which was harming when you are in a When you're in a high um, position in leadership in the city of Detroit, and like I say, we've seen crimes or seen people in leadership from 1930 mm-hmm. on to the present, of, you know, our different leaders going to prison, getting probation, you know, stealing from, let's just play, say what it is, stealing from the people. Um, do you think that we will ever get the trust of the people to get out and vote for these people that seemingly that continue to um, be elected on name recognition? Well, name recognition is something, you know, if a person has not delivered for you, why the hell do you vote for them because you know their name? And remember, it's a relatively small group of people that keep electing these folks. If you have 15 to 20 percent turnout and they keep electing folks that have failed leadership, then that ought to be a basis for organizing and getting out blocks of voters that don't vote historically. That can happen. It's hard to raise hell in America broke, though, to get out the vote. You've got to be able to do mailings. You've got to be able to phone bank. You've got to be able to do TV commercials, radio commercials. But you can overcome money. We look at, La- at Los Angeles with the woman out of Congress uh, that just won the mayorship in Los Angeles. She ran against a white millionaire that spent $100 million and lost because she had the trust of the people. And there were some other dynamics in there, like the Latino community, which was trying to isolate and, uh, and, 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 and marginalize uh, black folk in Los Angeles. There were a whole lot of dynamics that worked there. But it's name recognition is something we've got to be above and beyond. And if we could, and if we had the organizational wherewithal, you start campaigning and organizing at least two years from your target election, and you might be able to reach enough people and empower them so that they have real say-so in the campaign, and then we get out of vote. Tell us How us. difficult would it be for the people in King Estates off the Lafayette to simply walk across the street to the church? They didn't do it. Yeah. They don't turn out. Yeah. Yeah, uh, they try to but, make it more convenient for us. And I tell people all the time well, when, say, um, when they tell me that, you know, I'm not I'm not voting because my vote don't you know, it doesn't count. It doesn't mean anything. And I try to remind them that if it didn't mean anything, they wouldn't go to the extent and the level that they do to try to change the voting laws, to try to change, you know, how we can vote, who can vote. Yeah, but what you have to demonstrate for someone is that when they vote, the people they let come in, and it, let's keep using the example of King Estates. And if you've got mold in your apartments, the people that you let come in, they clean up those units, uh, they make the uh, rents really affordable, and a lot of folks don't even have to pay rent over there, they're so poor. But that you have decent housing, you restore the dignity, 
and you approach it from a holistic sense in that you work with parents and their children. You know, half of the parents with children in Detroit can't read or write themselves. So, so how can they help their children with homework? If you elect so people that care enough to fight for decent housing for people that are mired in poverty, to fight for real mass transit for people that don't own cars, to fight for literacy to empower people. See, once they can read, once they can write, that's like a ticket out of where they are. A lot of people cover up for the fact that they can't read or write, believe it or not, by going to a life of crime or or even being aggressive and violent sometimes. How uh, important how important is um donations? Because for a long time, I didn't understand when they would say, well, you know, I need you to donate this or that. I didn't understand what the money was needed for. How important now, who's is asking donations? for the money? Who would be asking for the money? The um the people that are on the ballots that, you know, are trying to raise money. Oh, you mean for the campaigns? Yes, sir. Yeah. It's important if you're going to have independent people that they be independently financed. Okay. If you look at again the last congressional race in August, the the the, the, the Israeli lobby funded the millions of dollars spent on Adam Holier, a state senator. Yeah. So did corporate folks who wanted that uh, Line Five that is a potential environmental disaster to run underwater uh, to, to move uh, oil products. Uh, including yeah. propane, through yeah. uh, the Great Lakes, the largest source of fresh water on the planet. is surrounds the uh, state of Michigan. But if we had true independence, uh, it would scare corporate folks and the wealthy because they don't want the majority of voters to be empowered with their own candidates. They want to control who gets the money. These corporations give to Republicans and Democrats so that they can control their corporate uh, interests, which often are diametrically opposed to the majority of the uh, people. Tell me what's the How important the donations vary if we could have an independent candidate. Tell me what's a comfortable amount of donations that a candidate need to be um, kind of safe and comfortable in a in a in a race. Look, it depends on the race. I go back to the race of Congress. I might have spent maybe fifteen grand. They were spending together fifteen million. I never stood a chance on Jump Street because I couldn't do the mailings. I couldn't do the quality TV ads or radio ads. And I couldn't buy the uh, street workers necessary to even compete. What we really need, Carmen, we need public funding for these uh, elections so that people would at least be able to uh, compete. You can't compete broke. You can't raise hell in America, get anything done broke in America, unless you have such a people base that you can overwhelm their dollars. That happened with that black congressional uh, representative that just won the mayor's race in uh, California. And she wasn't broke in in Los Angeles. She wasn't broke. What happened happened when it came to Stacey Abrams? Stacey Abrams, let me tell you, you see, what occurs is we have a great class divide in black America. Folks make a lot of fun of Herschel Walker, 
We know he's a tool for white supremacy in Georgia. But guess what? There are probably numerically more black men that look like Herschel Walker, mm-hmm. speak like Herschel Walker, mm-hmm. than look like and speak like Stacey Abrams. Uh, uh, Herschel Walker survived. He's in the runoff against Warnock. And even though he's being used by the uh, Republican uh, uh, Party, it speaks to the class divide amongst us. Stacey Abrams, quite frankly, didn't get the type of black vote she needed to get through that election. Uh, She turned off black men early on. With, with gender divide politics. See, yeah. white women can't afford to run uh, a, a campaign based on their sexual sex. Uh, we're women. We're doing this. With black folks, race is a dominant factor. If you are a black man and a black woman, you catch hell because of your race, not your sex, even though sex may well be a factor. Your sexuality, your sexual preference may be a factor. But if you black, you catch in hell because you black yeah. more than because you a male or a female, That's gay true. or straight. So where do you see where do you see the political arena going in the next 10 years just for the city of Detroit? I think we're in a lot of trouble <laughs> in the city of I was Detroit. You didn't say that. <laughs> Because I just don't believe we have leadership we can trust. There are some exceptions. I believe, for example, the councilwoman at large, Mary Waters, and the way she's staffed up. In the, I mean, for example, this is a councilwoman that once picked cotton in Alabama, what? is a breast cancer survivor, also a graduate, this may bother you, of the <laughs> University of Michigan. Alabama supporter, but she's from, but she's from Alabama. I should okay. have said Ohio State. I'm sorry, but um, but think about it: a black woman that picked cotton, yeah, that took a bus to work, and uh, here in Detroit, that worked at McDonald's, worked at Blue Cross, uh, served on the Detroit City Charter Commission, knows how the city should work. Got elected to the state legislature, and this black woman that once picked cotton that is a breast cancer survivor was Gretchen Whitmer's, Governor Whitmer's floor leader when Gretchen sat with her in the state legislature in the, in the Michigan House of Representatives. That's growing, that's growing independent leadership. I see a lot of pictures with you and um, Councilwoman at Large, Mary Waters. Well, why wouldn't you? Is that, but wait a minute. She's my partner. I mean, I'm just about to ask, is that your love interest? Uh, You know, I just said she's my partner. What else you want to know? Hey, you want to know what kind of dress you got on today? (laughs) (laughs) She was at the Y working out with her grandnephew (laughs) from Alabama. Uh, no, I we are it. close, but she runs her own business. She runs her own office. I have nothing to do with that yeah. at all. If yeah. she asks me, I might say something. But you, you learn the hard way uh, with you women. Just, just <laughs> leave them alone. <laughs> okay. You know, she's the one that got herself elected to the council. She got herself elected to the Detroit City Charter Commission. She got herself elected to the uh, State House of Representatives. She's a hard working black woman that knows up from down. And I yes, appreciate how you stand by her, with her, on the side of her. I really appreciate how, you know, you push. You know. <laughs> I get I get that, but, but believe me, she's thoroughly independent. Oh, 
Oh, oh, I, I already know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. She's thoroughly independent. Yeah. Listen, let me ask you a question about the criminal justice system. Um, just recently, um, the council members voted for the, what is it, the the shot, what do they call it? The shot, shot spotter. For shot spotter. How do you feel about that? Well, the councilwoman Waters voted against it. First of all, it doesn't work. It doesn't. Go to Chicago. Find out why they rejected it. It doesn't work. And what happens is if you've got an effective lobby, you come in, you lobby Chief White, the mayor, and you convince five members of Detroit City Council they should support it. I'm not saying how they get those votes. I'm not sure. But here's what I do know. know. Uh, Shot spotter never worked anywhere in this country. The data doesn't back it up. It sure doesn't. That doesn't mean that Detroit wouldn't support it. Look, if these folks come in under Operation Greenlight and will shoot up a gas station knowing they're on camera, knowing that rain rain technology is out there and they'll still do a drive-by, uh, or walk by shooting. Uh, there's something else at work in terms of our value system that we've got to address. But in a nutshell, hell no to shot spotter. That's my position because it doesn't work. And not because of its potential to surveil or listen to conversations and whatnot. If you listen, for example, to the ACLU position and others, the bottom line is that it simply doesn't work. It's exposing the city to lawsuits yep. when they wrongfully incarcerate someone, yep. and it leads to stop and frisk uh, policies at large. They aren't sure who fired the shot in the area when they come there. They see a group of, of, of young correct. black folks standing there. They're going to bust everybody. That's correct. And if you have something in your pocket, n- now you you caught up on another charge. Yeah, that's true, but it, but it, it's a way of reviving uh, uh, constitutionally violent stop and frisk yep. policies. Uh, it, it's you know, Detroit becomes an experiment for everything that doesn't work, and that that's a shame that's because the money's the here. System. The money's here for people to make a profit on failed technology. Uh, Shot spotter, facial recognition technology. You can't tell one black person from another, but you can be busted. Yeah. Uh, on, 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 on suspicion, not probable cause. Uh, there's a there's a whole lot at work in terms of civil liberties in Detroit that 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 are violated every day. Yet wanna, we I need wanna... our police. I'm not one of these individuals that says defund the police. I'm not. I, I'm. I'm I not know. against the police. I'm for good policing. Yes. Uh, I'm. Uh, you know. I mentioned Councilwoman Waters, but I thought it was something when this fella Burks was executed by firing squad, the Detroit Police Department. Thirty-eight shots fired. Nineteen of them struck him. Don't we need a real de-escalation policy when police are called with a mentally challenged? He had a knife. The uh, uh, Wayne County prosecutor chose not to charge the police. She can do that. She simply exercised prosecutorial discretion. The big issue for us is not prosecutorial discretion, but it's what should be the policy when deadly force is employed by the city of Detroit police force. 
uh, prosecutorial discretion. She can do what she wants to. But we could have a police department that has a coherent employment of, of, of deadly force policy as a de-escalation policy as to whether or not the police should even be called. When the police are called, that situation automatically escalates. San Francisco doesn't even send San Francisco doesn't even send its police to uh, 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 cause where it clearly is a mental health issue. Now, someone's life is somebody shooting and all that. Yeah, you you got you got to roll in right. on that. But uh, I wrote an article, series of them, uh, an article for the uh, Pulse Institute, again the premier. Uh, poverty think tank, anti-poverty think tank based here in Detroit, in which the title of the article was Don't Call the Police. Right. Uh, you know, a mother calls for a daughter, says my daughter's mentally ill, she's got a gun, the children's lives are in danger. If you don't come, I'm going to kill her. The police show up, she gets 45 minutes, they shoot and kill her. Was there another way? It's about policy. And law enforcement. Again, I work this in the system. When you when when you think about the high number of officers that can't that cannot testify in the court system. Because they're liars. They're liars. So why are they still allowed to be a part of the force? Because we allow them to, because the Detroit Police Commission does not uh uh, uh discharge its responsibilities as mandated. Uh, you know, when you look at why we have civilian oversight of the police department and you hearken back to the days of uh, stress and the big four in Detroit, it was those issues that propelled Coleman Young, the real Coleman Young, into the mayor's office. Uh, and the, the raw brutality, the, the, the beat down black folks were taking uh, in Detroit and even going back to 1943, uh, uh, a, a white riot that started on Bell Island, World War II veterans were there with their families that escalated into a white riot in 1943 when the Detroit police aided and abetted white racist whites, they were racist too, and, and, and killed scores of uh, black Americans, many of them World War II uh, veterans. We laid a plaque there at the MacArthur Bridge, you know it as the Bell Isle Bridge, uh, some years ago, National Action Network. But what uh, uh, uh. I'm trying to say is that still the issue of how our police operate, okay. uh, and even when you have so many blacks on the Detroit police force, they still will treat and marginalize black lives and treat black folks different than white folks. Do, Do you, you think, think that we should have a, 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 a residency um, requirement when you become a, a what? Detroit police? Oh, hell yeah. Because the police leave, it's, you know, it's indisputable. Police live in the community. They're going to treat that community with a lot more uh, respect when they can, than when they can flee to the suburbs. Uh, but again, it was Republican legislators largely that decided that you know you don't have to live in Detroit because when you run in a plantation, <laughs> you're just interested in keeping order. You're not necessarily interested in. Uh, Law enforcement, there's a difference in good policing and keeping order and keeping the natives under control. Yeah. Well, Mr. Um, Riddle, we really appreciate you stopping by the table. Most definitely. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't mean to talk so much. I mean, you guys you, give me there's so many issues. I love it. 
we, we could go into know. here in Detroit, but please understand something. Yes, sir. What you're doing is so critical. I mean, and uh, it's just so critical that we have our own means of communicating with one another. Um, now, you see, this conversation here, some reporter may look at it and say, oh, he said this and that, and you'll read about it, and you'll say, dang, somebody was paying attention. We need to pay attention. We need to be defining our issues and, and, and speaking with, and more importantly, listening to one another. Uh, Detroit should be a big laboratory of what we can get right in America yes. for majority a majority black city like Detroit, we need a Marshall Plan here to address the poverty, the systemic yeah. racism, keeping the water and, and lights on. So many issues here. Well, before you leave, Ow. I want to talk to you. I want to ask you a question about the fire chief in Flint. What is that? What is going on with that situation? Because I, I just, for the life of me, I don't understand why he was fired. 30-something Well, years. I don't Seven. have all the facts in front of me, but here's what I do know. I know the mayor of Flint Mayor Sheldon Neely, have not known him. I hate to just keep dating myself, man. But, you know, literally his mother and I and his father grew up together. He, I, I knew Sheldon Mayor Neely when he was a child. And he's done everything we tell our children, in particular our male children, to do. He, he he he's played by the rules. He, he you know, he, 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 he went to school. He got elected to Flint City Council to the state legislature where he was uh, the leader in the, in the uh, Michigan Legislative Black Caucus. And now he's mayor and just got reelected mayor. But there was a fire, Yes, I think, on Flint's north end. Yes, sir. Two children died. Yes. Supposedly a couple of white police officers said it was all clear that there That's was no correct. one in there. That's correct. But there were two black children in there that, that died. And uh, as a result of the uh, fire... And supposedly someone protected them. I don't know if it was the police chief that I believe that the mayor may have asked for his resignation. I don't have all the facts. I haven't talked to the mayor about no, the that. Chief, the chief actually um, called them out on it because they lied, uh, falsified the report. And Wait a minute. You're saying the chief that got fired called the mayor out? No, he called the police officers out for lying on their um, reports. You mean they, they, they he called the, the fireman out? He called yes. the fireman out. Yes, correct. Correct. Okay, wait a minute. The the Flint fire chief that was fired. Yes. Called the fireman and said it was all clear out for lying on their report. Correct. And then he got fired. You're saying by the mayor. That's correct. Okay. See, I don't have all the facts on that. I do know that Todd Flood, whom I know, is going to be representing that family, I understand, in a lawsuit. And I know we aren't going to get any word out of anyone in government as long as there's a lawsuit floating. Yeah. You just told me something I didn't realize. You know, I've, again, I've been on the periphery of uh, that the mayor has not been a client of mine, even though we speak. I know him and his wife, State Representative Cynthia Neely. But and they were in a hard-fought battle with the uh, uh, with former uh, Mayor Karen Weaver, who, who who was seeking her seat back, and she and she lost. But yeah. I, I, there's a whole situation with Flint, with Benton Harbor, with Ooh, Detroit, yes. and even Saginaw and Pontiac. Wherever we have dominant Black populations, we need to really have a think tank tank that uh, uh, helps all of those cities. Yes. And a brain trust 
so that we can show that we can govern ourselves, that we can have good police departments, good yeah. fire departments. Again, that don't marginalize black life, but place a premium on all life and but place a premium you know, on but, good But you know, the, the darker we are, you know, as we go up the color scale, you know, they don't think we are worth or worthy of anything. Oh, no. And we will marginalize ourselves. We, we even have colors in our community. We'll look at how dark you are. And because you ain't a high yellow, relegate you to a lesser status. That's correct. That's the sickness of self-hate. And, mm-hmm. and, and let alone how white folks view us. But we got a lot of work to do, but we can do it. You got to believe and you got to keep the faith. Yes, sir. And you got to have a spiritual foundation. And choose right over wrong. I enjoyed this we and look forward you. to us talking on down the road. We, we thank you. And I can't you. wait to see you so I can give you a big hug. For- <laughs> Uh-oh, look out. Look out. Please, oh, <laughs> me. Okay. <laughs> we appreciate right. you, Mr. Okay, Mr. love you guys. Love you. Stay blessed. Okay, take care now. Oh, appreciate yeah. Appreciate you. Okay. The one and only, the one and only. Sam Riddle. God, that was game on us. That was uh, that was awesome. It was. I really enjoyed, you know, just listening to him. A voice of reason, a voice of, you know, someone that just and he even, you know, like he told us, you know, hey, you know, the feds got me and I had free room aboard. So he even, you know, told you about his corruption. Never be ashamed of your past. You know. But it it's it's a testimony. Mm-hmm. You know, and I just pray that, you know, as we move forward. Detroit can turn away from all this corruption and, you know, someone stand up and say, listen, you know, we decided to serve the community and that's what we're going to do, right. you know. Um, so, you guys, I want you guys to continue watching Detroit Table Talk because we got some awesome guests that are coming up next week. We got Dr. Swine and she's a African-American um, GYN doctor. She has so many accolades. It's just I love it. And and most importantly, she's my doctor. So, you know, for her to come out the office and say, you know, I would love to sit at the table with you. I'm looking forward to her next week. She's so personable. Let me tell you, I a lot of people are not happy when they go to the doctor. Mm-hmm. I get excited when I go see my doctor because she has the best bedside manners. You know, she doesn't rush you. She come in, she talk to you. Not only is she making sure our body is straight, you know, she's making sure that you're mentally okay as well. So you're going to get a, you know, you can get a taste of it next week because she's so sweet, so sweet. Well, we're excited to see her. And listen, we have something that um, we're just putting out there. You guys can do it. You know, we would appreciate if you do it. We encourage you to do it. Um, on Detroit Table Talk, um, I'm going to be putting up a link, and we ask that you become patrons of Detroit Table Talk. Please do. You know, um, it'll help us do some of the things that, we, you know, we inspire to do, you know, for Detroit Table Talk, you know, and it'll give us some funds to be able to do that. Yeah. You know, and there's some guests, unfortunately, or fortunately, that we want to bring to the table that we may have to, you know, put out, you know, a few dollars yeah. for. You know, but some, it's worth it. Some people time cost, so. Yeah. You know. And you go get some perks along with it, so you know. You gonna get some perks along with it. You get um, we ain't before this. We ain't gonna tell them. We ain't gonna tell them. We gonna surprise them. Okay, but there's some things that you would get in there that you won't get out here. Exactly. Okay, so you know, download. Um, I'm sorry. Go in and become a patron of Detroit Table Talk. We got some things coming up, um, and we just appreciate you guys for stopping in. We appreciate Mr. 
Sam Riddle. We appreciate you. You know, and we'll see you back at the table next Saturday. Saturday. Mm-hmm. Drove. Tell us where they can find you. Uh, uh, best at it, best at it on Facebook. And, uh, the Spell best. it for them because, you know, sometimes they hear it, but they don't hear it. Best at it, B-E-S-T-A-D-D-I-T. B-E-S-T-A-D-D-I-T. Best at it, best at it on Facebook. Winning Vision on um, Instagram. And uh, above all that, just go to my website, IamBestAtIt.com. I am bestedit.com. Mm-hmm. And listen, you know, you can always find me on Detroit Table Talk. You know, ain't no sense going to my personal page. Just go on over to Detroit Table Talk. I see it, you know, inbox me. I'll get it, and I'll respond back. Also, if you want to come on um, Detroit Table Talk, we are starting to fill our calendar up for 2023. Mm-hmm. Um, inbox us, you know, tell us what, you know, you have to offer, and we'll start putting your name under some dates. Yeah, we appreciate you. All right, we'll see you next week. Peace.